Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Well, hello again from Denver Seminary. This is Engage 360, and I'm Don Payne, your host. Uh, We're really glad and very grateful that you would take a little time out of your week to join us. During this time of crisis from the coronavirus and COVID-19, we need not only to share physical resources where, where they're needed, but we also need to share resources like ideas and strategies. And that's why we want to introduce you to people in different ministry settings and interact with them about how they're responding and what they're learning in all of this. Uh, we all, in a sense, need to be lending each other uh, insight and creative ideas and courage as we all try to figure out how to engage the challenges presented to us these days in genuinely redemptive ways. Now this week we want to turn our attention to the local church setting and interact with a husband and wife pastoral team in the Washington DC area. Dr. Keith Brown and Reverend Iantha Brown are the pastors of Refuge Church Ministries 2 in Glen Burnie, Maryland. So welcome to Engage 360, Iantha and Keith. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, We're delighted to be a part of this uh, podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Actually, both uh, Keith and Iantha are current Denver Seminary students. Uh, Iantha is in the MDiv program at our D.C. campus, and Keith is in the Doctor of Ministry program. I first met Keith. Uh, I believe in a doctoral seminar last summer. Is that correct, Keith? Was it last summer? Correct. Yes, sir. Uh, So I got got to know a little bit about their ministry then, and I'll ask both of them to tell you a bit more about themselves. Because Keith is in his uh, in pastoral ministry after a a full career, I believe, with the federal government. Yes, Um, absolutely. So I didn't know if you were designing, uh, you know, electrical systems in government buildings or what you were doing. So, but (laughs) you're. I worked for uh, 34 years uh, in the Department of Defense, and so uh, you name it, we did it, and we uh, we kept the nation safe. <laughs> wow. Well, we're grateful. All of us give you our, our gratitude for that. Uh, before we go any further, I want to recognize and express our, our gratitude to the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, Maryland, and Pastor John Jenkins for their very generous hosting of our Washington, D.C. site. Uh, and I'll take this opportunity to say hi to all of our DC students and to Deborah Barr, our DC site director. We're yes, so grateful absolutely. for, yeah, so grateful for the work there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Iantha and Keith, uh, first of all, in a general sense, why don't you tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and including your faith and your ministry journeys and what led you to Denver Seminary? Okay, um, I'll kind of start a little bit. Uh, I had a career in nursing for almost three decades, actually. Um, And of course, that was earlier on. And um, Keith, of course, was doing his engineering piece um, separate and apart. We didn't know each other while we were uh, going through that process. Um, But at any rate, uh, I grew up in the United Methodist Church. So my background is is as a Methodist. Um, When Keith came to the area, um, and he can tell you a little bit more about his story, but when he came to the area, he was kind of uh, recruited into um, my home church. 
And so that was kind of, you know, our initial meetings um, because his, uh, one of my former pastors knew him and his family and introduced us. Uh, and so that was kind of our connection. And then from there, we went forward uh, once we uh, were married. Uh, we stayed a part of the United Methodist Church for a number of years. And, um, and then we left the United Methodist Church and went into a non-denominational uh, setting together. And there was where, really when we began to we were always very active in ministry. We, you could call us uh, church babies. Uh, we were birthed in the church. And so, and that goes for both of us. Uh, and we spent all of our lives in the church. Um, and, but, but as time went on, uh, we began to start to explore other types of ministries within the church, i.e. Um, I at one point was a lay leader in the, in the United Methodist Church. I began the the going down the path of pastoral ministry in the United Methodist Church, but as I said, we did leave and go into the um, a non-denominational church. Uh, Keith was very much a part of music ministry, um, and uh, again started to explore other areas of ministry. And we were ordained in the non-denominational church, um, and. We were going along well and, and thought everything was, was good, but what ended up happening was I was working at a, a hospital right beside Washington, D.C., sits right outside of Washington, D.C. I was working as a um, nurse leader, and my job was abolished. Mm. And so it was a time of trying to hear from God and figure out what that really meant because most people felt like well, you're a nurse, you can get a job, you know, anywhere. But uh, Keith was gracious enough and discerning enough to have me to sit and wait and hear whether or not God was closing a door and changing direction. Very wise. Um, and so with that, with that time of sitting and, and praying, um, we began to sense that God had closed that door and, um, and he was changing our direction. Okay. And, and with that was really the birth of our church. So you're both uh, in a sense, second career pastors. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Second career. Yes, sir. Um, and so, um, and so that was back in 2009. Mind you, this was in the midst of, if you will remember, the great economic downturn right. when real estate markets were, you know, people were losing homes and jobs and money and all kinds of things. And, um, and so we just could not figure out what God was really doing and why was he doing it now? And, you know, I, I, we figured we, I, both of us probably would enter full-time ministry at some point, but it wasn't supposed to be then, yeah. <laughs> not according to our calculations. Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting that, uh, I mean, what a, what a unique time to launch a ministry Yes. During yes. A, a time where the economy is tanking, but mm-hmm. in in several of the interviews we've we've had recently, that has been a recurring theme that crisis actually creates ministry, and yeah. I think yeah. we can see that historically. That yes. some of the most desperate times are are the yes. times that some of the most significant yes. ministries are birthed. Right. Yeah. 
Right. One of the, the things she left out was that I was also investing a lot in real estate during that time. Mm -hmm. And it well, uh, went really well for you then, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, it, it's a part of our story. We lost millions, you know, basically. Oh, um, and it was no fault of our own, as we could tell. Uh, but in the middle of that, here comes God saying, uh, you all, I have a, I have an assignment for you. It's different and you're going to have to do it. And we are like, well, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> you know how you always push things off when you think God is calling you to do something. But, uh, yeah, it's that Jonah complex, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so, Lord. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we eventually, decided that we have heard what God was saying and uh, we ended up starting the church in the middle of that whole big mess. And uh, wow. but we, we, now we look back and we thank God for what he did for us, but uh, we had no idea what we were getting into at the time. We were like, you know, we don't know that we really want to do this. Not now. Yeah. So tell us a, a bit about the church, Refuge Church Ministries too. Uh, well, um, it is a uh, relatively small church, but it is a church that is big in spirit and big in heart. We have uh, been able to touch a lot of people with our ministries and, and uh, our outreach programs, you know, from giving turkeys and toys to dealing with the opioid crisis mm -hmm. to uh, you name it, whenever we saw a need uh, and God was leading us, we would jump right in uh, with a few people, but people with big, willing hearts who were ready to work and jump in there. Uh, we, we fed the homeless and even stayed with them overnight, you know, and so we've done a lot of things over these last almost 11 years uh, that God has required that we do. And it is... Uh, it, it has been really interesting because it's a small, not not overly small, but big, small enough where we know each other well. Okay. People are they they are so happy to see each other. They are happy to praise God uh, together, and we're we're just uh, a, a church of of loving people. I guess our range in in age goes from uh, like about three or four months to. <laughs> Uh, 85. That's so, a pretty good spread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, um, tell us a bit about Glen Burnie, where you're situated. I'll let my, my wife tell you that cause she is originally from Glen Burnie. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's another part of God's humor showing up because the one thing that I, I did not plan for is to minister back at home. I thought, you know, some other town, some other city, yeah. Well, but you know, home. prophets without honor and, you know. Yes. Yeah, but country, anyway, so. God landed us. We had been searching for a building because we were uh, worshiping in uh, a local hotel. Um, and so the first place that really embraced us was this, uh, was a former 
retail space. It was a um, hardware store that had been in the community for decades. When my mother was a little girl, it was a, it was a hardware store. So that's how long it had been in there. But anyway, they opened their, their space to us and, and allowed us to come and worship there. So we're in Glen Burnie in a town called Ferndale. Um, predominant, it's, it's multicultural, predominantly Caucasian community, which I knew well because I went to school there. My classmates were, you know, in the vicinity uh, and, and all like that. So, um, so Glen Burnie is a, a working town and I would say it sort of situated between the Baltimore-Washington quarter, but okay. closer to the Baltimore end actually. We're closer to Baltimore, probably about I don't know, maybe 15 miles or so from Annapolis, Maryland, gotcha. uh, which is the capital of, of the state. So um, it's a working town, you know, uh, middle class, uh, blue collar uh, people, um, a lot of other, you know, churches, you know, in the vicinity. And so um, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. It's a, it's a community that has many of the same problems and issues that you hear about on the nightly news with, you know, homelessness. We've, we've had several homeless people just drop in, just pull the door and come in and, and sit down and, and, you know, we, you know, fed them spiritually and physically. Mm -hmm. um, we've, um, you know, like I said, anything that you hear about that um, plagues our, our, world in terms of, like I said, homelessness, the drug addiction, opioid issues, um, all of those yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's right there around us. And so um, we saw God placing us in a, in a spot where we could shed some light. Well, you're, you're pretty close to the epicenter, certainly to the political epicenter of our country. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I'm wondering what it's like, um, what it's like with the COVID-19 crisis there. How are things affecting uh, you all, particularly in, in your community? And how is your church uh, finding ways to respond to that? Good. Well, um, I, I, as I said, it's, it's kind of like what you're hearing about from all uh, around the country in terms of um, a lot of people that are, you know, not working, um, people who are, um, uh, you know, just living with unprecedented uncertainty in, in a lot of cases. Yeah, that seems to be the um, and, for a lot of us, right? Yes, exactly. So what we are, what we have decided to do in our, in our ministry, in our context is, of course, we, we're really trying to be very intentional about our touch points and how we are reaching out to them because obvious uh, the governor here, just like across the, the nation um, has declared us to all be in, you know, inside except for when it's absolutely necessary to go out. Um, so that means that we're, we're going to, we're, we had to figure out ways to use the technology that we have available to us um, to, 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 to reach out to the people and to, uh, uh, and to be able to touch them. Because what we have found out, what, one of the things that, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this as we go forward, but one of the things that we have, that's really been apparent to us is that 
people are fearful. Mm -hmm. They're they're fearful. And so they they are needing something or someone to hold on to, to say, we're going to get through this and it's going to be okay. Um, So one uh so so we're challenged on some fronts uh, because you know we're we're trying to use this technology and and I say trying to use it because generally we have someone in our church that handles you know all of those pieces um but at home uh my husband and I were trying to figure out okay now how are we going to how do we do this because everybody has to be everybody has to be an expert now right exactly exactly um but uh so we've been able to work work through that and and we have had you know one person to come and to manage that of course at a distance you know from us um in our in our home so that you know kind of works uh for us but one of the other things is um and and just to kind of give you an example about how this is impacting uh, people, our, as as Keith said, our church is small and the people know each other very well. And so we have created um, what we consider very strong ties and bonds with each other. Mm-hmm. In other words, the people care about one another. Um, and so, uh, um, and, and of course, everybody has uh, enjoyed coming to church on Sunday mornings. And, and since that's no longer our story at the moment, um, I, w- I received a phone call one day from um, one of our members and she says, you know, hi. And I said, well, hello. And she said, well, um, what you doing? I said, well, I'm just kind of sitting back. I said, I actually had drifted off and was taking a little nap. She said, "Um, will you come to the door? And I thought, will I come to the door? Okay, I jumped up and I went and I opened the door and there she was in her car in our driveway. (laughs) And Uh she was just waving and saying, just wanted to see your smiling face. And so that, that wow. kind of spoke, spoke volumes as to um, the, you know, the sacrifice and kind of going out of her way because we don't live, you know, around the corner from each other. Um, well, but, so, but isn't that, doesn't that speak to how much we need to see each other in real life? I mean, oh, it's, yes. it's great to be able to look at each other on a yes. computer screen if that's what we yes. have. Right. I think this has is heightened our awareness of how much we need each other's presence. Absolutely, absolutely, and I and 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 you know, and and it, it certainly is uh, coming out more and more how God made us to be in community um, with one another, right. Right. and what it means when that has kind of been taken away from us, right. you know, and, and we understand the reasons why, and we want to be safe and all of that, but yes, uh, absolutely. Are, are there ways that all of this has maybe changed how you think about ministry? Has it brought certain things to the surface that you hadn't had to think about before or changed the way you think about how you minister? Well, it has definitely brought things to the forefront that we didn't have to deal with before. We, we had, uh, streaming services, but never did we have to uh, do them in a vacuum, uh, the vacuum being our home, you know, right. on Sunday mornings, trying to pull things together, making sure that we could get the lighting to a, a certain uh, uh, area, you know, so that we could at least be seen well. Um, we, we've had to go out on different formats that we have not been using in total before 
And uh, so, you know, that was just one aspect of how things changed. And my wife was mentioning when we were discussing um, this whole podcast earlier, we were talking about how now uh, when we, we look at um, the, the, the fact that we got to do these services, you know, in the African-American community, we are used to a strong call and, and answer kind of format. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet now, as we give our messages, there's nobody there. So we're kind of trying to say, well, in our brains, where is the response? You know, but the, you've got the call, but there is no response because oh, <laughs> there's yeah. nobody there but us. Yeah. And, uh, so that's been quite interesting as well. So um, really we're good. finding a lot of different things happening well, as a result. I was going to add to that. The, the one thing that I was sharing with Keith is, it, it makes you much more dependent on the Holy Spirit, you know, the spirit Amen. within you Amen. so that it, so that's what really exudes and, and touches the people. The, the streaming stuff, of course, yes, we did prior to, but, but it was an aside. It was sort of an extra. Now it's it. Yeah. It's kind of it. And, and, and for this season. So, um, yeah, it, it has really made us sit and, and figure out ways. One of the things that um, we were able to do, I, I guess the word that keeps ringing in my head is, is intentionality. Mm-hmm. We have to be really intentional about how we're going to reach people because the one thing we don't want them to do is to lose hope. It's, you know, that, that connection uh, has to be there, you know, um, and so we have to figure out ways to, to make sure that happens. But one of the things that kind of came up as a suggestion through one of our ministers is that we would divide up the people uh, of the church and they would call them individually um, and see any prayer requests, specific or just general. Um, and we did it to, with our youth and everybody just to check, just to check in. How you doing? And um, do you have anything that I can pray for you for? And yeah. the the response was absolutely overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, it it shows all of us how many things we take for granted yes. that when they're stripped away by mm-hmm. any form of crisis or um, unexpected circumstance, we have to lean we. Well, when they're when they're stripped away, we find out what's really at the core, and yeah. have to be as as you said, Iantha, all the more intentional about um, preserving those core features. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder what do you what do you think? I'm going to ask you to forecast a little bit uh, <laughs> down the road when when all of this passes. Hopefully, may the Lord make it so sooner rather than later. But what do you think we're going to learn and how do you think we're going to be different after all of this? I I think, um, well, if you're looking uh, biblically, we we can look at uh, that some of us have been saying, because I I grew up as a preacher's kid, so uh, I learned a lot of Bible back when I was growing up. And one of the things that we always learned was in Ecclesiastes, uh, when it would say there's nothing new under the sun. I think this uh, whole pandemic has heightened the, the, 
the the belief and the the intentionality of this whole thing in our brains that says there really is nothing new under the sun that you know pestilence and disease has happened before but you know it, it also gives us a certain amount of wisdom about what has gone on that now uh that we have survive or we are surviving such a, uh, a, a huge pestilence in, in the land that now we can really believe what God was saying when, when he allowed uh, Solomon to write those words that, you know, this is nothing new to God. It didn't catch him by surprise, mm-hmm. but certainly it's catching us by surprise. And now we will have to deal accordingly with where we are, and there are many other examples that we could probably point to, but uh, that was just one that kind of came to mind as we were discussing this earlier. Do you think uh, we as a church, or we even as a nation, are going to see ourselves any differently after all of this? Well, we certainly hope so. We certainly hope that we yeah. that we will. Um, and I think it depends on what people have done with this time. Mm. I, I'm, I'm certain that, that the slowdown, uh, the, the country coming to a halt in many respects um, has offered the opportunity for people to sit, reflect, pray, reconsider how life should look moving forward. But it's only if you use that time to, to your advantage for when the country opens up again. We used to say that time was a, a healer or greatest healer or great healer, right? Um, but I've learned, Dr. Payne, through my life that it's not always the time, but it's what you do with the time. That's a good distinction. Yes. And so when you when we have all had this time uh to sit and and to reflect and to really seek god in it and see what he's saying in this in this hour of social distancing and people dying all around us and yet some of us are surviving some of us you know we'll survive it absolutely most of us will survive it mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, um, that, that when you look at it from that perspective, uh, and, and what you do with that time, it should change us. It should, I'm praying that the church comes out stronger than it was before. Yeah, you're here. Yeah, I I really am. I, I pray that we can, um, be a driver in the culture more so than we have been. I think in a lot of ways, unfortunately, our churches had begun to almost blend in. And probably in a lot of ways, it had begun to blend in with the culture. And I believe God has called us to be set apart mm-hmm. and, to, and to live differently and to do things differently. And, and we're, we're and, also, I, I just want to interject, I, I'm hoping, and I know that my wife is also hoping that this will not turn into another 9-11 mm-hmm. uh, incident where, you know, churches were overrun with people when the Twin Towers were hit. But then after that, right. the, the attendance fell off. And that goes people, back to normal. 
right? Yes, yeah. exactly. So, it's almost like people forgot, yeah. you know, the, the panic and all of that that had set in their hearts. They just didn't hold on to it. And um, yeah, we need some enduring effects. We do. We do. Yes, we do. We yes. really do. So, uh, so the church has a great, I think the church uh, and in this pandemic has a great role to play. I think we can be instrumental and very significant and helping people to make it, you know, through this. Um, but it re certainly remains to be seen uh, the, the long-term impact that it's going to have on uh, those who are non-believers. Hopefully they will see something in us, something in us that we were, that we persevered, that we endured, that we were able to live out the faith that we professed through this time. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's what they'll see. And it will cause them to uh, want to see just what that's all about. You've, uh, you've very wisely uh, brought in front of us that need for hope and that need for, for clarity and certainty. Of course, that can, that can be artificially manufactured, certainty where there really is no certainty, hope where there really is no hope. But that's uh, it's probably where we have one of our greatest opportunities, right, is sure. to help people be both deeply realistic and right. honest and find the Lord's word of hope in the middle of all that. Exactly. How are, final question for you, how, how are you talking to your people these days to help them find that hope in the middle of honest realism? I would say, you know, when, when we uh, look at how we have been um, running in the church for these 11 years, you might as well say, um, we had a mandate, we believe, from God when we started the church to preach the word, but not only preach the word, but preach it with, uh, with enlightenment, with enrichment, and with encouragement. And we, we strongly uh, leaned on the encouragement part of our servants because we felt like we really needed to make sure that individuals understood that God is a God who, who loves us and there is hope in him. And so what we've done overly, uh, so I would say probably is concentrate deeply on the sermons that we're giving, or especially those that we are now doing uh, on, on the streaming services, uh, we are concentrating on encouragement. We are telling people there is hope in the middle of this. Even though there is death and dying and uh, all those kinds of things, there still is hope. And for those of us who trust in God and know him and are, are saved by him, we have the assurance that we don't have to worry about this world as we stand here and look at it, that even if uh, we're not healed on this side, on the other side, we will be having eternal life. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fall apart. We don't have to get scared, you know, because God is the one that we look towards. And, and so that's what we're doing uh, uh, quite a bit, and uh, we've even taken time to just take like five minutes ever so often, get on one of this, the uh, Facebook streaming services or whatever, and just give a word of hope from some of the uh, devotionals we've written before, or or we'll pray and, and do some other things. I was even telling my wife I'm probably going to try to 
get on the organ at church. I'm going to go over there and maybe play a few songs and, and hopefully people will listen to that and get a little hope from that as well. Yeah. So, um, well, I love, I love the way you, I'm sorry. I love the way you put that Keith, because that really does distinguish the kind of hope that the gospel gives us. It's not a hope that everything's going to be all right circumstantially because we don't know that right. yeah. we can't guarantee to people right. that, uh, that they won't get it. We can't guarantee that, they won't die. We, we can't guarantee they're going to be okay financially. We, so where's the hope? Well, the hope is then that those circumstances don't own us and don't define us. That's right. Or it undergirds us regardless of how well or how poorly things may go for us circumstantially. I'm, it's good to, good to hear y'all drilling that message in and yeah. keeping that in front of your people. Th- thank you both for taking time with us. Thank you. Oh, thank so you much. for having us. Been Absolutely. a real, been a real treat. We yeah. uh, we've been interacting with Reverend Ayantha Brown and <laughs> Dr. Keith Brown uh, from Refuge Church Ministries Two in Glen Burnie, Maryland, and we're just so grateful to know them and have them part of the Denver Seminary family, and grateful for the work you're doing uh, for the gospel there in the Northeast. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I hope it's warmer there for you right now than it is here because we've got a lot of snow on the ground. So, oh, really? <laughs> oh my! And more coming. So, oh. wow! Here, I uh, hope the cherry blossoms and all of that are in full bloom out there because we yeah. have that yeah. here. But, but anyway. yeah, everything is looking <laughs> good out here. <laughs> well, bless you both. Thanks again for spending time with us. All right. Thank, thank you, you too, for having Dr. us. Yeah, to all of our listeners, thank you for uh, spending time with us. We want to uh, acknowledge all of our production staff um, and all they do to make this podcast happen. So for uh, everybody here at Denver Seminary, uh, be well, be wise, be safe, but be engaged. This is Don Payne, your host, and we'll talk to you again next week. Take care.